throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men, punching in with a puncher's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Welcome to the Throwing Jabs Podcast. I am Joe McGuire along with Jared Jones. Pretty cool fight tonight to talk about. We're going to also talk about a fight that is not going to be happening in the boxing world. And I got to tell you, Jared, uh, as a result of that, my my brother Tony, uh, who everybody knows, uh, a big contributor to this show, uh, is it actually said to me, I'm, I'm almost tired of... Of boxing yeah we'll get into that uh also there's a whole re-ranking here for the ufc's pound for pound list you're gonna hate the guy that's on top that's for sure uh but of course we're gonna start things off with uh the big fight from last week jared you and i both had this one wrong although later in the day when i went to put my money down i did put my money down on Leon Edwards. <laughs> I sure ah, did. Wow. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Um, Leon Edwards. We, you know, it's funny. We were saying if Leon Edwards was to win this fight, is this sort of the Pereira Adesanya situation or Usman Mazavald, where it's like, tip your cap. This guy's just better than me. And Leon Edwards looked like a champion defending his title, and Usman looked like a challenger who fell short. Absolutely. You know, there was a tweet uh, Teddy Atlas put up, one of these old-time boxing historians, you know, one of the, the, one of the ones to talk to, I swear, Scully and Atlas. If you've got a question and somebody has to bring it up by memory, those are the two guys. This is old school boxing head and he says uh that back in the day the trainers used to say 30 percent better when you win your first title and you think of and and i think this was like one of the greatest examples i've ever seen of that where i know what he's like in there i know i can beat him i've done it before i'm the champion now he went in with a different mindset and a different, he, he looked like a different person. This looked like he could be a champion, Joe. Is this, is this, I don't like it in those other arguments because nobody's going to talk about Antonio Tarver as the greatest of all time. Like, it's, it's one of my key arguments there. So, um, this was more dominant than Pereira or Tarver or, I, I saw the scores. Now, it was a closer fight, but it didn't look like the same two guys that fought the first time. No, not at all. It looked like Edwards was 30% better. (laughs) Yeah, again, it was 
And Edwards now, what is he won? 13 in a row or 12 in a row? 13 in a row, right? After it. 8, 9, 10. Oh, it's a lot in a row. Uh, and, and again, outside of losing to, uh, you know, Cameron Usman back in 2015, man, it, it's been other than the, the fight with uh, Muhammad, the eye poke, which that's a bummer. And we'll talk about Muhammad in a minute because he factors right. into going forward. He factors into all that's going on and going forward. Uh, after the fight, as a matter of fact, Dana White said Colby Covington will be up next to get a title shot against Leon Edwards. You think he's the right guy? Should he be up first? What do you think of a Gilbert Burns? Do you like Colby Covington? Does anybody like Colby Covington, I should say? At least enough that he gets first crack at the title. Why not Shemaev beat Burns? If we're going to go Burns, we can't go uh, Shemaev. I, I prefer Shemaev to Burns. But the fighter here, the guy I said was the dark horse, the guy that has the ability to beat all of these other guys, is Bilal Muhammad. Now, I said this a year or two ago. He got his shot. He was beating our current champion when that eye poke went down. Now, some guys, an eye poke happens, and they're like, I kind of wanted to get out of this fight anyways. If you watch him react to that eye poke and stoppage, this guy is so hungry and so strong. He's he's just going to be really really hard to beat. Is there? I'm not sure there's a guy in this division that I pick over Muhammad, and he'd probably be the dog in all of those fights. You know what I like, beast, is, man. This yeah, guy's his beast. his last fight against Sean Brady, where he, uh, you know, TKO'd him. Uh, a, a side of him I wanted to see. You know, he's, he's, uh, this guy wins a lot of fights, Muhammad, by decision because he smothers you and dominates you. And the problem is, is this guy's fighting three round fights. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it, it's, he's so dominant. Him in a five round fight is a tough guy to beat. I, I hasn't lost since January of 2019, eight in a row, all in the UFC. Yeah. Including, including Diego Lima, Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson, and Vincent Luque. Like, this is... It's a good list. Those are guys? Man, shouldn't he... And that's my argument now. You go through those other guys now. Shouldn't he have to lose? That's my argument. Covington lost. Usman lost. Leon Edwards, shouldn't Bilal Muhammad have to lose a fight before we take him off off of that list? Or or even, even pretend that he's not beating all those guys. You won eight in a row in that weight class against the upper echelon. You should have to lose be, be, before you're bumped. You, you can't be bumped off that list behind Covington, who's already lost in that triangle, that rock, paper, scissors. That we get from time to time. This is a first for me. Everybody else dropped for me. I don't know. Uh, I'm not usually that guy that gets left here. I'm usually the one dropping, but 
So oh, we good. lost Joe momentarily, and he's back, and I think it's smooth. You see that? Smooth transition. Show must go on, brother. Glad to have you back. Ladies good and gentlemen, back. Joe McGuire. Yeah, so um, uh, Sander just chimed in, Edwards and Masvidal. Uh, of course, everybody wants to see that, but let's be honest. Jorge Masvidal, and I love that's That's my guy. He's at least number five in line here. Seriously, Boom. answer my question. Shouldn't Muhammad have to lose? I well, so he just hasn't lost. All those other guys lost since Colby Covington already has the title shot. That seems like exactly. that's what's happening. What do you think about Bilal Muhammad fighting Usman? Usman needs a bounce back fight, and he needs to beat somebody good. And Muhammad needs to beat somebody in that top five. And while Usman's oh, still me, in the top five. Fight then. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Usman, Muhammad, and Shemayev Edwards. I'm all over. I love that. Those guys should have to. That's the issue I have. Muhammad and Shemayev, those guys should have to lose. These other guys have lost fights. And Edwards, let's be fair. You looked like you were losing when the eye poke happened, and then you got a title fight. So what about that guy you were losing to? They don't have the names, but man, Bilal Muhammad is the one guy. Cause style, because styles make fights, there's only one guy in that weight class with the capability of beating all the other guys, and it's Bilal Muhammad. All right. Yes. Here's another comment from Sander. And here's here's the problem. And I love Sander. You know That's I love you. the problem you. with fighting in general. Muhammad deserves it, yes, but what's going to make the most pay-per-view money, it's Edwards versus Masvidal. That's the point I'm making. Oh, I get it. I get it. Here's the, <laughs> let me tell you something. Here's the other thing about Bilal Muhammad. I don't think his fights are not fun to watch unless you're a fan of his. If he's sure. fighting against your guy and he's mobbing your guy, you hate that. It's frustrating. You yeah. hate that yep. is, is what happens. Or he's clinching against the cage for like a quarter of the fight. It's not fun. He's good at it. And that's why he wins all these fights. This way so, to win. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's why I liked that he, that he had the TKO in the last fight. I thought that was, oh, like this guy, this guy's could be, he could be dangerous. Not, not just because he is so dominant. And I hate to say not dangerous because Obviously, everything he's doing is danger, but you don't. He he his weaponry seemed limited to me. His highlight reel looks a little different than Jemayev's. <laughs> yeah, uh, lost to to Jeff Neal as you mentioned in in 2019. That's his last loss, and he's been a better fighter since then. Again, and his loss a, before that though was a big, strong guy, too big for that division. Jeff Neal and um. His loss, right? It, the, the his his Vicente other loss. Luque. There you go, huge. Yeah, huge, big, big, strong guys that can handle what he's trying to do. Everybody else in that weight class who's weighing in like they're supposed to. <laughs> Trouble. This guy's a problem. Here's and I where... think the mismatches for Muhammad. Um, the harder matchups are Usman and Covington. I think Leon Edwards is the easier matchup for Muhammad. I think that's our champion for a couple fights if he gets the next fight. I think he gets the belt and holds it for two or three fights. This guy's that good. Yeah, Something, I know. I know. I know. Sure. Oh. Something 
Something tells me, though, that's why Colby Covington's next. Because I think Edwards can beat Colby Covington. And I, I hate to say this, but I think just for the stability of the division, mm. it makes, you don't, you know, Again, look. Well, look and at money. The, Sander hit the nail on the head. It's hard to give a guy like that a fight if he's not putting butts in the seats. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Muhammad needs to beat Kamra Usman before he gets a shot at the title. Mm. And I think it's clear at this point. You know, we're not going to keep playing this game. I mean, everybody, Kamra Usman. Not looked great to me in his last few fights. He seemed to kind of put it on cruise control. Same thing with Adesanya. You know, it, it was very much cruise control. It was very much about countering. It wasn't really much offense. It was more about just holding guys off uh, and not giving them chances to to hurt them. And they they did a great job of that. I don't think and, Kamara- and, and it makes sense. So you've got, all right, uh, what is this, 10? You've got 12-0 Shemaev, and you got Muhammad winning eight in a row, both ranked in the top five of the division, and the shot goes to a guy that lost two of his last four? Now, they're both, they're both Usman, I get it, but this guy beat Usman and should fight the guy that Usman beat twice? Right. No, it doesn't. I mean, no. again, I, Muhammad, I don't. Shemaev, those are the answers to that question. Even Burns can't be the answer to the question. He lost it, to Shemaev. If these guys aren't winning and getting closer to a title fight, then what the hell know, are we doing here? You know who else can't be then? Masvidal. Masvidal. Exactly. Why? How? How does he earn, you can't earn beat that Usman. shot? You can't beat Usman, then you can't beat Edwards. <laughs> That's just. That's that's the that's the line of thinking. But more and to what's the, point, the last like you're talking about a guy who won 12 fights in a row in Shemaev and a guy who lost five of his last eight, including three in a row. Masvidal. Yes, I want to see him fight, too. He's exciting. If he and Gagey can get in the same weight class, let's make it happen. But. Title fights are for the guys who've earned the title fights. And I can't have two guys that have won 20 fights in a row between them taking back seats to guys who are under 500 in their last 10 fights. It doesn't make sense. I don't know where this title defense is going to be. I don't know, you know, if it's going to be in the United States, if it's going to be in Abu Dhabi, wherever the fight between Colby Covington and Leon Edwards is. George Masvidal will be there. He will be he will be on the facility. I guarantee you Jorge Masvidal will be there. And the event that say Colby Covington gets hurt in training, which isn't something you've never heard before, he would be the perfect guy to step in last minute notice to, that to fight make Edward. A hodgepodge. That just it's makes not, again, a big jumble no, no. of BS. No, no. Listen, though, what that, if Masvidal wins? So let's not say ideal. Masvidal wins. Not ideal, but I'm just saying. Masvidal wins, and now you've got 
Masvidal wins, and Stephen Thompson, Damian Maya, Usman, Covington, Larkin, Benson, Henderson, Alaya Quinta, they're all going, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I just beat that guy. Why, well, yeah, so it turned, and the whole thing is just mud. Who gets the next shot? Well, all of those guys will probably beat Masvidal. You just can't give him the shot. It's the Nate Diaz thing. That BMF belt maybe needs to keep flowing around. Right? Because we have fighters like that and we have fights like that, but we don't want to see them as title fights just because they're going to sell the most tickets. It's not fair. It's just not fair to the to the Shemaevs and Muhammads of the world. I would love to see Steven Thompson get a title shot, but and his last fight was great. I, I don't I just don't see it. Like I think the ship sailed on Wonder Boy. And you can, can he beat Masvidal? Probably. Yeah, so there you go. Masvidal wins, and Stephen Thompson is our new champion, probably the 12th best guy in the division. Why? Just to Why? Give it. the best guys the title shots. Just give the best yeah, but guys then, the title but shots. But then couldn't, hold on, couldn't you then argue, by your logic, that Usman should get another shot at Edwards? He's no. beaten Covington. He's, he's, Did he's he beat He probably Did would. Did he beat Muhammad? He probably would. All right. Those are two guys with long winning streaks. One of them should get the title shot and one of them should get the other champion. I like that. Muhammad and Usman, even though it's Muhammad's worst matchup, and you've literally been trying to feed him to a wolf for four years and he beat all of those guys. And uh, Shamayev, sure, give him his shot. He's 12-0 and 0 and beating legitimate sound fighters. Give him that shot. I can't see it going to Covington again. Why would Colby Covington, with his record, get at uh, at, uh, at seventeen and three, get his is it four third title shot fourth title shot for before a twelve and zero guy gets his first? Yeah, it's just ticket sales, but it doesn't make sense. I, I want to see those though. They should have to lose if they're not fighting a guy above them then we're not making sense. Shamayev should be climbing until he loses, and so should Muhammad. Those other guys have lost fights. Fight the best guy. Come on, Leon. No Covington. Well, and I'll tell you, too, if and, – and it seems like, again, if Muhammad ends up facing off with Usman – I mean, if, if Kamra Usman becomes the gatekeeper of this division – that would be a really tough gatekeeper. You know what I mean? Mm. That's like the mm. hounds of hell. <laughs> that's a, that's a, I mean, again, you're talking about a guy who a year ago was arguably the number one no, guy in the list. sport. And now it's no. like, okay, now he's got to sit back for a little bit until some things sort themselves out. He's still the best guy in that division. Just can't beat Leon Edwards. Yep. What it comes down yeah. to. All right. May or may Let's... not be true. And that's the problem I have is with Muhammad. I think Muhammad and Covington make sense if he's not getting his title shot. Yeah. But then I, who gets I... the title shot? It has to be Shamaya. Definitely agree with that. All right. Uh, UFC's got their new pound for pound rankings. And who? I'll start backwards. So we, we hold off on the number one guy because <laughs> you're not going to like this. Um, I'll just give you uh, the, a cursory 
the the top 15 we'll start at 15 and work our way back and when we get to the top five we'll really get into it here uh 15 max holloway 14 robert whitaker 12 uh, 13 jamal hill 12 dustin poirier 11 yiri prohaska and then number 10 brandon moreno number nine charles Oliveira. number eight kamara usman Number seven, Aljamain Sterling. Number six, Alex Pereira. Number five, Israel Adesanya. Yeah, he's ahead of him. Go figure. Number four, Leon Edwards. Number three, Islam Mahachev. Number two, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, who had ascended to the number one spot, uh, only to drop out of it. The new number one pound for pound guy in the UFC. And he's huge. <laughs> 248 pounds. I watched this fight again last night, and and John Jones destroyed Cyril Gone. It was like Cyril Gone had never been in a fight with an adult before, is how it felt. He was <laughs> shockingly overwhelmed by him and Again, when you think about the battle he had with Francis and Ganu, you know, took everything and Ganu had to to take care of Cyril Gan. John Jones is the number one pound for pound fighter in the UFC right now, Jared. And and I hate to say this. It's the GOAT. No. <laughs> Go ahead. No. Pound for pound is still that undefeated uh, middleweight there that just retired that Jace keeps thinking is going to come back. Did we forget already this guy that just walked over everybody? I bet. Hey, pound for pound? How much John Jones outweighing by? 80 pounds? I bet you right now they get in the gym, he gets run. I'm not saying he beats John Jones. I'm saying John Jones gets run. Yeah, this is that. Okay, so that's still my greatest of all time. I don't think we're ready to make that jump yet. And uh, this guy's I mean, as far as old. submission, who's going to beat him? Who in that division right now do you see, do you think has a prayer against John Jones? And he looks amazing at 248 pounds. He looks, he looks like he should have been a heavyweight his whole life. He's he's. It looks like Stipe Miocic is next for him, and you know I love Stipe. I don't, I don't, I don't say, I don't think there's a chance for Stipe in that fight. I think that the answer sucks, but it's a rock paper scissor answer that involves just bone density. That Volkanovsky argument. The answers here are like Curtis Blades, uh, Aspinall, Tui, Rosenstruck, Derek Lewis. These big guys that are supposed to be holding that much weight on their frame. Um, Stipe, I think, struggles. I liked Cyril Gaon in that fight. Um It's just hard to know what we're getting at that size for somebody to move up so far and be so dominant is 
This is hard for me, Joe. This is really, really hard for me because I don't like the guy as a human being. Um, was one of my favorite fighters. I mean, he goes back to um, Matt. Not Matt Sarah, the guy he beat. Another Matt. Rich Franklin. Like, were some of my fighters back then, you know? Um and he was at the top of my list with Anderson Silva. Those were the two guys that nobody was going to beat. And then I just kind of started rooting against him. John Jones in MMA for me is uh, like Floyd Mayweather in boxing. Who as a child, uh, Floyd Mayweather and Bugs Bunny kind of had the same lifestyle. You know, it was like... It's like he might as well have been a cartoon character or some fictional character because I didn't really see him as a human being. And now as a grown man and a father with the ability to see him as a human being, I don't see him as the superstar boxer I did as a child. I'm more able to see him for the piece of trash human being that he is. Um, and that's kind of where John Jones fits in for me in MMA is... is I hate that our children look up to people like you based on your athletic ability and nothing else because you are the last kind of person I would want any of my children looking up to. And that's what it is. It's personal disdain for somebody born with all the gifts and squandering it. This is the guy that shows up to the gym never on Fridays. You know? Gyms are empty or on Fridays. It's only the hungry people who show up on Fridays. Just born with the ability. I'm sure he works hard at the gym. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he had his, has had his days, but it's like a hoax. Kids watch these guys. They're superheroes. Oh, he sacked Tom Brady three times in his first game back from a four-game suspension for pistol-whipping his girl. Right? No. No, because when you watch him on TV, Sander, when you watch him on TV, you're casting a vote. When you order his pay-per-view, you're casting a vote. You are voting for him to be successful in his life. You are supporting his mission. And if his mission is pistol whipping his wife, <laughs> it's interesting, a la Jared. Hardy. Jared, when when I literally posted the comment from Sander, take the personal stuff out of it, though, as you were saying, pistol whipped his girlfriend. I mean, it's hard to it, 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 <laughs> right. It, it's it's not like it's not like you know he's a hey Trump hey hang supporter. on. If we're taking the personal stuff out of it, can can this guy not fight Colby Covington? Because political is personal, right? And the reason this guy's putting butts in the seat is the Trump stuff. People want to see him succeed because they're Republican and supportive of Trump. Or they want to see him get his butt kicked because they don't like Trump and they're not supportive of the Republican Party. But he has attached himself to that. And if we take the personal stuff out of it, he lost two of his last four fights and doesn't deserve a title shot by any stretch of the imagination. The butts are in the seats because of the personal stuff with Covington. We remove it with John Jones. I want to remove it with Covington too. The fact is I have kids and I'm in the fight game. 
I'm a boxing trainer. And I look at that as a responsibility. Okay. I'm putting mileage on my body to make other people's lives better. And I think that what I'm giving away, I put up a post the other day that said our reach, the rewards of our work. I was talking about this with one of my trainers the other day. The rewards of our work are going to outlive us. There are 12 year olds in our gym today that will someday wrap their children's wrists. And if I'm spouting out a name, somebody they should look up to, somebody who's who you might want to learn this move, it's not, it just can't be John Jones. It can't be Greg Hardy. I can't turn on the highlight reel of those three sacks of Greg Hardy and say, this is the guy you want to be like in good conscience. I'm in the game. It's the same thing we've said before about media, Joe, some of the other podcasts, right? And things are coming out that don't make sense and are irresponsible as members of the media. People were listening to that show. She was spouting that BS on not many, (laughs) but a couple people were listening and that, and you should have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. Sorry, Sander. I can't take the personal part out of it. Because I run a, I'm, a, I'm in the media. I'm on a podcast right now. Some of those 12, 13, 16 year olds might be watching and they can't be looking up to John Jones for anything. I'm responsible for, for, for who, who, for what I say and who I support. And I'm not going to support this guy. I am always loudly and abrasively going to stand against people like this, even being in the even being in the organization. I've pushed for 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 criminal charges for drug use in combat sports. Because people die from time to time in combat sports. And when your life is at risk and the other person is taking a drug, an illegal substance, illegal in the real world and illegal in the sport to to gain a competitive advantage in a game where people die from time to time? They should be caged. No? And there's John Jones. That's the list he makes for me. You won't find him on my pound for pound list. But you will find him on a list of guys that I think should probably be in prison based on the things that they've done in the game. And yet they're championed in the game because they put butts in the seats and sell tickets. It's frustrating. Masvidal and Gagey sell tickets. Right? It's not hard to sell tickets. Scrub scraps. Hundreds of people show up to watch people who are just, just in the beginning. It's entertaining as all hell. Yeah, Balil Muhammad will put you to sleep, but he's strong and he's proud and he's doing what he's supposed to do in there. And John Jones just never really has. Would anybody care about Shane O'Malley if his hair wasn't crazy? <laughs> I mean, right? This, this, is, <laughs> this is not completely unlike boxing and wrestling, this sport where personality does matter. Jorge Masvidal convinced the UFC to give him a rematch with Kamara Usman as if we thought it was going to be better for Masvidal the second time <laughs> around. Like, what? Come on. He got that because of his ability to put butts in seats. And his performance that night uh, 
was lacking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it, 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 he did worse in the second. It lacked part. stuff that he didn't have. Yeah. <laughs> he never yeah. had that stuff in the first place. It was very interesting. Uh, yeah, we got bamboozled on that. But yeah, personality matters and, and negative personality. And it's funny, I was actually, before you went on your rant, I was going to bring up Colby Covington's politics. Again, nobody cares about him if he's not running his mouth. I love Chael Sonnen. I, I watch his podcast all the time. I love that guy. He's like the worst villain in the history of the sport. Um, But he's fun. He's fun. But I will say this. In Chael Sonnen's biggest moments of his career against uh, Anderson Silva and against John Jones, failed. And he and he and he knows he did, and I know it burns him. It really does. <laughs> All right, oh, let's yeah. move over. Let's move over to boxing for a minute because this is, um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, my brother Tony is very upset about this. Alexander Usyk and, and Tyson Fury—they've broken off talks over this title fight just to get you up to speed. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know the the details of how this has gone, Tyson Fury said 70-30. Usyk said, yeah, great. Just donate a million pounds to Ukraine and we'll do it, 70-30. Then Tyson Fury said the holdup was a rematch clause. Only for Usyk to again address this on social media, he said, that's your side that wants the rematch clause. What are you even talking about? Like, let's just do this. Then there was some other nonsense, and now we we hear the fight is off. It's not going to happen. And it looks like Usyk's got a mandatory nobody. He's got a fight. So that's probably going to have to happen, uh, barring some miracle here. I said to my brother, do you think Tyson Fury is afraid of Alexander Usyk? That's crazy. And much like Sander, Fury looks like he's ducking him. My brother uh, is beside himself that this fight isn't going down. And and maybe you think this, too, because I know you're an Usyk guy. Where you look at the size difference, you think about what happened in, in the fights uh, with Deontay Wilder, who's one of the, and, and again, I people forget, he's one of the great heavyweights uh, up until he came across Tyson Fury. Alexander Usyk is a different animal to me. And despite the fact that he was, you know, a smaller guy, uh, cruiserweight making his, his way on up, he's a great fighter. And I think you know, one of the things Tyson Fury has over most people, in addition to the size, Jared, he's an incredibly talented boxer. Alexander Usyk is a very talented boxer. And this, you know, again, despite the size differential, and you, you know, you're the guy, you, you, you could speak to this. I initially thought, oh, dude, he would pound Usyk. And, and I've heard Fury make mention of that. Like, if he beats him up, he's going to say Usyk was too small. I think skill for skill, this is a really tight matchup. There isn't another person close. Kevin Johnson, Steve Cunningham, and Klitschko looks like. Um, As far as... Now, tell me when I name a good boxer. Derek Ch Chisora, Deontay Wilder, Tom Swartz, Otto Whalen, Deontay Wilder, Deontay Wilder, Dillian White, Derek Chisora. This is far and away the best boxer 
he would have ever been in there with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of this has to do, I can't stand the social media duck and scared stuff. I don't believe Tyson Fury is scared of Alexander Usyk. <laughs> I'm in the game. Most of these boxers, as far as scared goes, they're no more scared of one guy than another. Most of us will take an ass whooping and not, you know, whatever happens. Um, It's like, I swear these guys would go into the negotiation table and each leave with a vacuum cleaner. And what I mean by that... Right. Is their teams are so we should get this and we should get this. And they're like surrounded by hustlers who are trying to negotiate this, that. And the third thing, when you have two guys, yeah, that would literally jump in the ring and do it. If the rest of you could get your heads out of it. Yeah. And they leave with a vacuum cleaner. Like you're trying to sell something. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think ducking fits though. I don't, you know. So, so if I could fight Floyd Mayweather for $100,000 or you, Sander, for $60,000, and I fought you, would you say I was ducking Floyd Mayweather? That was a good question. <laughs> my answer is obviously no. I'm just doing the thing more in my physical and financial best interest. So do, you know, to do, to negotiate in your best interest makes sense, you know, to call it ducking, you'd have to know what was on the table, you know, it's real. And even then it's just so hard to say he's like ducking a certain guy or scared of a certain guy. I know that that happens. Guys get up to the top and want to kind of crawl their way. But Navarrete, can I really blame him? for those fights on his way up to the dog bay fight and even after <laughs> hold on now but but couldn't couldn't we argue look at look at the way wilder and joshua danced around each other and that 100 million 200 million dollar fight went down the tubes and now you wouldn't you but wouldn't was that them or the people around them you dude you wouldn't even want them to highlight scrub scraps the Wilder versus Joshua. That's how meaningless that fight has become. Here's the other thing. And I think this is where the, the Floyd Mayweather nonsense that I know Sander buys into the idea that he's undefeated. So fighting Dillian white again, fighting Chisora again, you know, fighting Anthony Joshua, those would all be, Good fights for Tyson Fury. Their names, there's some history, right? He goes in there and he, and he likes, it's funny, as a big guy with great skill, he likes big guys that he can pound on who don't really know how to box. He's very good against someone like uh, uh, Deontay Wilder because Deontay Wilder is a terrible boxer. He's a great fighter. Mm-hmm. He's a terrible boxer. So you don't again. I here's where to me Canelo Alvarez when he when he ran into Dimitri Bivol, you know, and I know you think Baturbiev is better, and maybe he is, but that was a guy who is bigger than you and has your boxing skill. That's hard to win. That's hard to beat. 
So I don't know. I I I don't think he wants this fight because first of all, this is an interesting spot to be in. I'll, I'm going to tell you a quick little anecdote. Uh, uh, some years ago, I was playing in a mini golf competition against some stars from the WWE. This was the Travelers Championship, the Big Show, and right. um, Steiner. Uh, no, no, Bob Backlund it was. I'm sorry. Bob Backlund of the Big Show. And they had a special Olympian participating with them. And we get to the 18 holes and we were tied, Jared. And we were going into a, a playoff. And I walked over to Bob Backlund and I slapped him. Back slap across the chest. And I was like, let's go. Went over, teed up right through the middle, right through the center door of the castle, skips over the hole. I'm like four inches away from tapping that bad boy in. Well, Bob Backlund decides Special Olympian has to take his turn. Kid hits the thing, it hits off the door, and it goes out of bounds. So he picks up his ball, and he puts it in front of the center door. And I'm like, you're shooting three. Just right. That's a penalty because it went out of bounds. <laughs> and the director of the tournament of the Travelers tournament was like, we're not going to count the penalty. Kid taps it right through the, the door into the hole. Now it's my turn, Jared. And I, uh, the thought goes through my head. I bury this. We go to the next hole. I beat him on the next hole. Like, at what point do I look like a hero? Beating a kid who's a special Olympian. You don't you don't get any credit for beating someone you're supposed to be. Now, I pulled up and I and I missed a shot. Two people came up to me that I worked with after I did that. One of them said to me, that was really sweet. I know you could bury that putt. And I said, I'm going to be honest with you just a shitty spot for me to be in like there was you know again i make the shot and what we yeah. go to the next hole and i gotta bury one and he you know I, how sooner or later yeah i don't walk away looking like the hero here you know yeah. um the other person that came up to me that i worked with said that was rude and disrespectful to the game they don't need you to throw it and i was like oh no again i wasn't doing it for that reason i just thought it's a pretty public event, right? Yeah. I, again, I don't get any credit. Not trying to get a win here. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy to, you know, no I still, I got a glass trophy for second place. It was fine. You know? Yeah. Came back the next year, won the whole damn thing. So I got the big one. Got the you know, bigger one. Gonna do. Yeah, no doubt. No but doubt. I think, again, so for Tyson Fury, look, there's, he has everything to lose here, Jared. This is a guy that can beat him. This is a guy that can match his boxing skill. This is a guy that can legit win that fight when, again, there's so many guys out there that he could go out. Again, him and Anthony Joshua, what a huge fight that would be. Everybody in, in they, 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 they're, I'm sure there's people in London that would still love to go out and see that fight at the O2 arena. You could sell that place out, make a ton yeah. of money on that fight. That's a safer fight for Tyson Fury. So again, I don't think he's—I don't think he's necessarily scared. I don't think he's dodging him, but 
at 33-0-1, this is not a great fight for him for the legacy. He's the Because the Gypsy King is now convinced, by the way, that he's the greatest heavyweight of all time, that he would have beaten Muhammad Ali, that he would have beaten Joe Frazier, that he would have beaten everybody. That's where he's at in his mind, and it's all because he beat Deontay Wilder, who, again, great fighter, great champion, maybe the worst boxer to be the champion of the world in the history of the sport. There, there, you know, the thing that gets me most here is it isn't in there. It doesn't exist. That guy to beat Fury, if Usyk falls out, okay, here's our box rec rankings. Number three, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, Joe Joyce, Wilder, White, Louis Ortiz, DeBose. Next undefeated guy is Frank Sanchez. Makadov is already 33. Um, I To find anybody I think can eventually do something, I'm down at number 47. Justice Huni and um, Jalalov, I like. Bakadir Jalalov, 12 and 0, 28 years old. Not anywhere near ready for Tyson Fury. And the next guy on the list is Anthony Joshua. And I, like you said, there's not a lot of, yeah, if this fight doesn't happen, what is it? And Bivol's fight in uh, Berlanga? So, Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. So the two... <laughs> So the two greatest boxers in the world, pound for pound, right now have nowhere to go, huh? And Yusuf Turbiev? Yep. Nowhere to go. They should fight each other. I have said from the beginning, the best fight we can make in the sport of boxing is Yusuf Turbiev with Bibble sprinkled in there on either one of them. And we're not getting those. And the ones we can get, we're not getting. And Tyson Fury fights anybody else on there. There better be some... Christian Okoye type running out in a field in Nigeria that we pick up that is just the ultimate monster beast to fight Tyson Fury that none of us have heard of yet because otherwise it's not on the list. The guy to be Fury, hey, if he's convinced of all of that stuff, he's right. You could fight this guy who's substantially smaller than you and try to continue proving it, but Greatest of all time and would beat everybody on that list. Yeah, this is the next contender and the only one left. I'm going to throw you one more thought, too. Uh, and, and Tony has brought this one up before, but there was only one guy, George Foreman, ducked in his entire career. And that guy was Jerry Corey. Didn't, didn't seem like an obvious choice. You ask, why would he duck that guy? Great counterpuncher. And George Foreman, again, gets nothing for beating Corey. No credit for beating him. You're supposed to beat that guy. That guy's a great counterpuncher, and you're a big haymaker throwing upper. You know what I mean? All that guy's yep. got to do, slip you one, and you're out. And he's the Buster Douglas of the 70s, and you're not selling grills nowadays. You know, so <laughs> he wasn't afraid of Jerry Corey. <laughs> he was afraid of what could happen if Jerry Corey were to slip him straight up. And 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 for that reason, that reason alone, he avoided mm. that guy. 
Yep. Not because he was scared. Just didn't make sense. There wasn't enough reward in it. Hey, I'll give you one. Joel Maxfield. <laughs> My little brother calling me out at every scrub scrap knowing I could knock him unconscious. And I, you reminded me of it with the golfing thing earlier. I could knock him flat and get no points. I could beat him by decision and I win nothing. He he gets one out of five rounds. People are going, damn, Joel looked good, bro. You know, it was the fight he couldn't lose. Good. Do that. Yeah. Do that because it makes more sense than anything else except for Usyk. Right. Well, so here's <sighs> the other thing. Uh, Francis Ngannou uh, is great, and uh, Francis Ngannou wants to box, and Tyson Fury's like, box me, the Gypsy King, I'll give you all this money. This reminds me of when Floyd Mayweather said to non-boxer Conor McGregor, hey, I'll give you a ton of money. Like, dude, whatever. The boxer's going to win this fight. Tyson yeah. Fury <laughs> will beat Francis Ngannou because Francis Ngannou doesn't know how to box. Away. Yep. Doesn't know how to box. He's a big puncher. That's not going to go well here. It didn't go well for Conor McGregor. And and don't forget, and by the way, for anybody who watched that fight, if you don't think that Mayweather was carrying McGregor in that fight, by the way. No, no, no hang on. You What, what you want to do if you're going to go that route and you have that kind of time. <laughs> What you want to do if you if you've got that kind of time is go back and look at the things Floyd said in the lead up to the fight. Right? Which round he was going to take him out in and which punch he was going to take him out with and then go back and watch the fight and watch that round cuz it was all straight right hands until he finished the fight with the punch he said he would in the round. Why were there no hooks? Why were there no uppercuts? Why was it just a straight right hand over and over and over again in the round you said you'd stop him with a straight right hand? He did what he wanted when he wanted and told us what he was going to do ahead of time. And that's what happens when you put a boxer in there with an MMA guy. It's different stuff. I'm not, I'll tell you what I can't do with Joel Maxfield is go out electrician him in front of a box in a house because I know that's what he does. And that's what we're talking about here. Tyson Fury, that's what he does. He will beat Ngano. Do you remember when James Tony went to MMA and fought yeah. Randy Couture? Yeah, ugly, ugly, ugly. Street fighting, boxing, MMA, all completely different things. All right. Um, yeah, totally. So here we go. Uh, we we've got uh, UFC San Antonio tonight. Marlon Vetta battles Corey Sanhagen in the main event. These are two guys heading in, in opposite directions, though. Uh, just a year and a half ago, Corey Sanhagen was uh, at the top of the division, and it looked like with the with the length and the with the knees and the kicks that uh, just some of the spin moves that Corey Sanhagen was the man. Uh, how quickly two losses change your career. Meanwhile, Malin Vetta, since he lost to Jose Aldo, uh, has been on an absolute tear uh, and has beaten some really good competition. This is tonight's main event. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 
I liked Sanhagen, and I'll tell you, after Sanhagen blasted out Frankie Edgar, I thought, oh, dude, this guy, anybody who's not as tall as this guy screwed. Uh, but no, <laughs> no, that that's not how it went at all. Uh, in an almost shocking manner, uh, it stopped being that way. I think Marlon Vetta is like a killer. And I think oh, yeah. at, at some point he gets his hands uh, on Corey Sanhagen and he blasts him out of this fight. Yeah. No, that's – and that's I, – I see the same thing. Yep. So eventually Farrah gets a hold of him and it's a problem. And I love this too. I I think there could be points early in this fight where you think Corey Sanhagen might win. Plus you'll, money you'll... on Vera. Yeah, that's crazy. You gotta. Well, uh, I didn't know that. That seems easy to me. Wow. Yeah, there's a couple on here that uh that don't look right. That's definitely one of them, though. Dude, uh, uh, the the knockout of. Dominic Cruz, fourth rounder. And again, I'm always, I always love fourth, fifth round knockout. I mean, that, that to me says a lot about a guy, you know, you still got that stamina. You still got that killer instinct late in the fight. I just, to me, there's no way, uh, Corey Sanhagen stops this monster. Cheeto's the man. He really is the scary He's, dude. He really is really is, uh, um, like just highlight real stuff. It's it's what uh, <laughs> this is what you want. Now this is the guy who's putting butts in the seats and uh, putting on the show. This is what we're looking for from our fighters is the Vera type. Absolutely. Love By the way, guy. Holly Holm in the co-main event against uh, Santos. That'll be a pretty cool fight. Macy Barber's on this card. It's a pretty decent card, all in all. Oh, uh, Barber is, yes. So, so Parlay Barber. Parlay Barber, there it is. Good segue. Puncher's Chance, Parlay Barber with anything else you like. Because 265 is, that should be four. That should be four, four, 450. Macy Barber wins that fight. All right. I like it. All right, well, uh, it has been quite an excellent show. Make sure you visit scrubscraps.org. That's the website for Scrub Scraps, great organization in Coventry, Connecticut. Uh, we did the show live from there last week. Check out the website uh, and, and check out Throwing Jabs and Scrub Scraps on uh, Facebook and Instagram. You'll find uh, last week's video. You'll see all sorts of great stuff. Uh, you got so many wonderful people in there. We're going to start doing more of the uh, scrub scrap spotlight. So very much look forward to that. I'm Joe Aguirre. That's going to do it for me. I'm going to turn things over to Jared Jones. He'll give you the flurry. Right. The foundation. Um, I talk a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how um, one of the steps is um, intimate relationships, that third step, um, that third step on the hierarchy is intimate relationships. So if you have a way to throw that up when you get it, Joe, um, the second step, safety and security, third step, intimate relationships. And I would argue, um, that a lot of people don't have 
that second step satisfied of safety and security. Most of us that have been through trauma had our safety and security stripped away from us so that we're incapable of this intimate relationship. Um, I've also talked about how I'm able to create that kind of trust and that kind of intimate relationship right at scrub scraps, like right in the sparring sessions. Um, and I was actually working with somebody yesterday uh, that does have that idea of safety and security being stripped away. But um, we're building that intimate relationship. If you see the yellow band there, that third step, uh, just in wrapping wrists up, Justin, as I said last week, uh, Jessica was on the show and she said to me, I'm able to trust you in ways I've never trusted any of my other therapists just based on the sparring because you could hurt me and don't. So you're building this intimate relationship in the ring where no words are necessary. Uh, for people like me sitting in a chair across from another person and learning how to trust that person in those chairs doesn't seem feasible. I don't have the foundation. I don't have the experience in my life to believe that that other person is trustworthy and someone that's going to be there for me simply based on being in a chair or having some card credentials as a psychologist. I, that's, that's not how I build trust. I do it different. And a lot of these people do it different. A lot of the demographic I'm getting, they build trust differently. But you could take that down. Once you've built that intimate relationship, once you have that, um, even if it's just with one person, picture that a 13, 14, 15, 16 year old girl finding a way to trust a 44 year old man who's never said a word to them. And you get there and then you go find some mid 20 psychologist who doesn't know how to throw a punch and you build that intimate relationship. And conventional therapy is able to work for you because you have a foundation of a person who's not looking to get anything from you and is just strictly invent, invested in your happiness and success. And when you have the experience of everyone who's investing in you trying to get something from you, that's where the distrust comes from. So you come to Scrub Scraps and you build a foundation. That therapy builds a foundation for other therapy. I really never thought about it before. And it was working with this kid yesterday that, you know, how do I fit conventional therapy into what I'm doing here? And I'm going, this is the foundation for trust, for trusting healthy relationships in your life. And you need that if you're going to be happy and successful, we just need each other. It's this, it's a prerequisite. Thank you. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and aid, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs